one of the ways to really juice your yields is to leverage your fund. And it typically occurs in funds that are investing in long-term investment strategies, multi-unit apartment complexes. You're listening to The Life & Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families, and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, hey, everyone. Annie Dickerson here together with the fabulous Julie Lamb. Julie, how are you today? I'm doing okay. I am doing okay. I, actually, I'm doing better than okay. I am super excited. Let me let that, let me let Tony Robbins remind me to there be excited go. about all the things. <laughs> Make your move. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's funny because like when I do my morning like work in the morning and, and uh, Tony reminds us to allow ourselves to feel the feeling, the good, the range of like all the positive emotions that there are, which sometimes I don't know about you, but I'm like happy is like, all I can think about when I think about positive emotions, but there's so many others, right? Like gratitude and joy, feeling proud, feeling excited. And whenever we go to UPW, we talk about all these different things. So that being said, I am super excited because we, I guess by the time this airs, we will have already launched our very first Good Egg Wealth Fund One. And this has been a long time coming. Long time coming. <laughs> <laughs> Years, I think, if I look back. But just super excited because we've been wanting to do this for a while and timing and COVID and all kinds of other stuff came up. But just super excited based on everything where we're at right now with everything that's been going on in the world and the need for diversification, which we talk about today in the show as well. And so just excited about that fund just the markets we're in, deals we've got under contract already. What a great way to diversify within the portfolio. So I'm just super excited about that. I'm just going to stack some manifestation on top (laughs) of that, right? So as of today, today that we're recording this, we haven't yet launched the fund. Our team is super busy behind the scenes, putting all the pieces together. There's lots of moving parts. And by the time that this airs, we will have launched the fund. So I'm going to go out on a limb and say that by the time this episode airs, our fund will be a smashing success. We're going to have so many people (laughs) interested. We're not even going to have more room in the fund. We're going to have to start turning people away. People are telling their friends they're loving it because the fund, right? Unlike a single asset syndication, the fund gives them the opportunity to invest and instantly diversify across multiple geographies, multiple assets, multiple asset types, multiple business plans, multiple operators, everything, which as you were just talking about in the part of the market cycle where we're in right now, that's so critical, right? To protect your wealth, protect your capital, but also give that opportunity for growth. So it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful, amazing few weeks ahead. There you go. (laughs) Got to put that manifestation out there. That's right. Even that for sure. That's right. That's right. Well, that's a perfect lead into our conversation today with Heather Dreves. She is the director of funding at Secured Investment Corp, where she does all sorts of things. But in the conversation, we talk about things like funds. We talked about investing with self-directed IRAs and the importance of education. You'll hear 
hear Heather talking about her story and she thought she was going to be a teacher and life took her in on a different path, but how teaching is still very much a part of what she does in talking with investors. And you'll hear about her passion for making an impact. And she even tells the story of one of her investors who had developed all these health issues because he was so busy working so much in his job. But once he was able to invest and create that passive income, he was able to quit his job and live his ideal life, which as all the listeners know, is what Julie and I and the whole Good Egg team, we're super passionate about as well, because if we can help people live their best life, then we can change the world together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, one thing that I thought was cool, and I always love this when I hear you know guests on the show talking about this, but she had mentioned that her parents were involved in real estate and that was kind of gave her an idea, I guess, about familiarity, I guess you could say with real estate investing. And I think it's, it's just cool because who knows, maybe she wouldn't have even been drawn to do something in real estate if she didn't have any clue what it was all about. And so for any of the parents out there listening, take some time to really think about the impact that you might make by investing in making the decision to invest in real estate now, even as a passive investor, and how that might impact positively your children's interest or desire to learn about passive income, real estate, entrepreneurship, which, by the way, yesterday we held our very first class, Money Wise Kids, for our Good Egg investors. We're teaching kids all about investing, and that was so fun and so cool. And so it was just funny to hear Heather then today say, hey, look, my parents were involved in real estate. So start those conversations early. I think it's so important to get them involved and start talking about what real estate is, how it works, everything that we talked about today on the show in terms of passive investing. You can find find ways to take what we talk about today and explain it to your kids while they're still young. Annie and I have pretty young kids. We've been talking about it with our kids since they were before, younger than five. And so it's all a matter of how you kind of position everything to get them to understand it. But we got to dig into all kinds of fun stuff around notes and their fund and what the guardrails are, the qualifications that they're looking for when they invest into assets and things like that. So it was a fun conversation with Heather. For anybody out there who you're at maybe the starting line or you're starting to get into investing in real estate and syndications, we've got the perfect resource for you as a complement to the episode you're about to hear. And that's our book. It's called Investing for Good. And we have a free hardcover copy for all of you. It goes through all the ins and outs of how syndications work, the difference between passive and active investing, what types of assets you might want to invest in and all of that. And you can get your free hardcover copy at goodegginvestments.com slash book. All right. With that, let's dive into our conversation with Heather Dreaves. Heather, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me. We're thrilled to have you here. Now, Heather, as Director of Funding at Secured Investment Corp., I know that you talk with investors all the time mm-hmm. and you help them invest in the right opportunities for them. But you know, talking with investors is not always easy. It's something that intimidates so many people. Mm-hmm. So start by telling us how you got started in real estate and what led you down this path. 
Yeah, well, it's kind of an interesting story. I um, actually went to college to be a teacher, funny enough, have some educators in my family and felt like raising a family, being an educator would be a great opportunity and the schedule and all of the perks that come along with that. So I went through college did my student teaching, had a knack for sales, which was interesting. I actually started in sales selling furniture. I had a uncle that owned a furniture store. And so long story short, my husband and I got married. We started a family. I didn't go into teaching. I graduated, had my teaching degree and decided that wasn't really my niche. My kids could probably attest to that because I was terrible at helping with homework and not very patient. But so we moved away and started a family, came back home. And I had a friend that was in the private money industry. And so my husband and I decided when we started our family that it was important to be home with our children and to raise them and not have a daycare raise them, but was introduced to private money, knew nothing about it. I mean, I had a mortgage and that was about the most I knew. I had some background in real estate because my parents had done very well in real estate, buying and selling real estate. So I was exposed to it there but really had no idea of the opportunity that private money opened up for not only people that were looking to passively invest, but also active real estate investors. I think people kind of get stuck in the traditional resources of funding and don't realize that there's a lot of other opportunities out there if you have the right deal. And then my husband and I, not only was I in the private money industry and helping investors invest capital and provide funding to active real estate investors, we started investing ourselves and started fixing and flipping. And now we currently have a rental portfolio. So I feel like I kind of fell into it by chance, but honestly was the best thing that ever happened to me and just realized I really had a passion to help people start to create wealth for themselves and really help them create generational wealth for not only them, but their families and to leave a legacy. So that was kind of my path to it. And I love it. I We just put a triplex under contract last week. And so I feel like I'm a little bit addicted to it. If you're a real estate investor, <laughs> you can, my husband's like, don't we have enough going on? It's like, but it's a really good deal. What if we don't take this opportunity? So for those of you real estate junkies out there, you can probably appreciate that. Well, we've definitely been there. Julie and I were just talking about that the other day. The, the <laughs> like, oh, let's we got a new deal. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Like the thrill of having a new deal. And not only that, right? Because you get to bring people along when you're helping others. You not only get to build wealth for yourself, but as you're passionate about, Julie and I are passionate about too, is helping others and leading the way so mm-hmm. that they can build wealth as well and creating that sense of community. Mm-hmm. And so, okay, so I'm fascinated by the teaching part. Even though you didn't actually become a teacher, I didn't intend to become a teacher and I became a teacher by happenstance for a little while. But I find it fascinating, the connection between teaching at its core and talking to investors, right? So tell us a little bit about that. Do you think that your training or your experience in teaching, even with student teaching, contributed to, in some ways, your sales background and eventually private money? Yeah. I mean, I think that, and I tell my staff this, we're educators here. And so it is kind of funny. Although I didn't go down the more traditional education teaching path, I feel like I'm doing that now anyways, you know, because what we do here is 
not only can we help provide funding and opportunities to passively invest, but we educate people because I personally don't think enough people know about the opportunities that are in this industry, whether you're active or passive. One of my things I love to talk about is self-directed IRAs. People don't know that they can take old 401ks, they can set up IRAs, and they can direct where they're investing, whether that's in a real estate fund, buying notes, or even buying real estate in their IRA. We educate people about that. We are not a custodian in full disclosure, and I'm not a financial advisor, but I know enough about it to direct people where to get that information. And we are putting on webinars and podcasts like this and just really educating people about the different opportunities that are out there outside of your more traditional. I think people finally, I don't know, I've been doing this almost 20 years and the way that it was 18 years ago and now it's, there's so much information on the internet and webinars and podcasts and people are calling every day. Hey, I didn't know I could do this with my IRA. So it is about educating and just really providing people with the different opportunities that are out there. And then that's up to them to decide what's a good fit for them, depending upon their strategy. Can you explain, Heather, real quick for everyone, what does it mean to use your IRA to invest? Mm -hmm. How does that work? If anybody's listening, we we haven't talked about this too much on the show. Oh, okay. um, But it's such a great little secret. I still remember when I heard about it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And immediately went through all the little steps that you have to go through, right, to make an investment. But for real quick, for anybody who's listening and they're like, well, I have an IRA, how does it work? Like, can I use the where my Mm -hmm. IRA currently sits? Or you mentioned the word custodian. What does that mean? Just like a quick, like two, three yeah. minutes, how that works. No, I think that's a great question. And honestly, we've put on presentations for hours about it, but essentially most people have their IRA or their 401k with a traditional administrator. 401ks are set up by employers and IRAs, a lot of people will set them up with your Fidelities or your Wells Fargo, which is, in my opinion, a more traditional. There are what are called self-directed IRA and 401k custodians out there, Quest, Equity Trust. And what these custodians do is they act as the administrator and they keep you out of tax trouble. They identify and help you. They put up guardrails basically. And they say, these are the things that you can do with your IRA. But as an IRA owner, you are self-directing it. You are not having an administrator or a financial advisor tell you where to put it. There's all these different options. You can buy real estate with your IRAs. You can buy notes. You can invest in real estate funds. So it's a really a way to take control of it and self-directed but it has to be set up with a self-directed custodian out there. And buying real estate through your IRA, you buy a piece of property and you sell it, those profits flow back into your IRA tax deferred. As we all know, there's limitations on how much you can put in an IRA every year, right? This is a way to grow those accounts outside of those limitations. And so again, we're not a custodian, but I would tell you 90% of my passive investors use some kind of a self-directed account. One thing to keep in mind, if you have an old 401k from a previous employer, you can actually roll that account over to a self-directed custodian and you can start actively investing it the way that you want to. If you're currently working for that employer, you're not going to be able to do that, but you can set up your IRAs, traditionals and Roths if you qualify for a Roth. Okay. So I'm sure there's an investor out there listening who's like, 
what? You just blew my mind. I can take my IRA money and invest in real estate. Does that mean that I can buy a house for myself and my family to live in? So that is what would be considered a disqualifying event. So if you're occupying the property, you would not be able to do that. And you can't do anything with your kids either. So there are limitations. That's what these self-directed custodians are there to help you understand. But the easy way to remember it is you can't do anything with your IRA with other family members that are lineal. So up and down your family tree, kids, parents. If it's this direction, there are some exceptions to that. But what you could do is buy a piece of real estate, fix and flip it, through your IRA and then your profits, everything has to flow in and out of your IRA. Again, that's what your custodian's there to help you understand, but you could do that. You could buy a rental and own it in your IRA as long as repairs and rents all flow back and forth through the IRA. But as far as occupying the property, you wouldn't be able to do that. So that's a good question. Yeah. I remember the first time I was sitting in a seminar and I heard somebody talk about that. I'm like, what? You mean that money that I've been collecting that I was waiting till I was 65 to be able to use? I can put that to use now and I mm-hmm. can put that into real estate that's mind blowing, right? Yeah. And it's exactly what you said that nowadays there's more and more of the information that's available out there. But back in the day when you started, I'm curious. So when you first got into this, paint a picture for us. What was it like? Were there Would people go to the library and check out books about this stuff? <laughs> How are people finding out about all of these opportunities? Were you getting on the call? Were you meeting with people in yeah. person? What did that look like? Well, I think back in the day, I always joke that it was like a secret society. When I first got introduced to it, it was mind-blowing. I was like, what do you mean? People with money? that want to invest outside of the stock market, lend these other people money. And these people are in buying investment. Like I just had no idea. And it's funny. I started as a loan processor and got very quickly bored with that. Then I went down, I learned escrow. I learned how to close loans, how to service loans. I kind of did a little bit of everything. And then I decided I was going to get my securities license because I really liked working with the investors. So I got my license and because we sold what was called fractional interest in notes. So for example, if I had a $50,000 lien, I could sell that to five different guys and they would all partner on it. And what I found was Everybody I worked with was friends and family. Hey, I'm George's neighbor. And I had one guy tell me one time, hey, my neighbor invests with you. And I was checking his mail. He was out of town. I want in on this. What's this guy doing? Oh my gosh, that's (laughs) amazing. The funny thing is they don't like referring people because they didn't want to share. They said, well, I don't want to tell anybody else about this. And then what if you don't have enough deals for me? It's still kind of like that today. I think... Back in the day, I sold notes. So I would have a borrower that wanted to borrow money. We would underwrite the deal, put the whole package together, and then I would dial for dollars. I'd call my list of people. Hey, I got a deal. Do you want to fund it? That's how we just basically were partnering people. About 10 years ago, when I came on board here at Secured Investment Corp, that's what we did. It's so clunky, right? You've got a borrower that's anxious to close with an expiration on a purchase and sale. I'm trying to coordinate an investor getting his money in from an IRA, which is no easy feat. And so what we did was we actually started exploring opening real estate funds where we would 
raise capital. So for our really passive people that didn't really want the risk of buying a note, well, what if they don't pay? What am I going to do? The funds were a nice alternative because it's the same asset, but now we manage it for them. That way, providing the deal met the credit box and got our seal of approval for underwriting, we could close it quick and then we could still shop it. And so the funds, we just kind of evolved into a fund management company also. I mean, we have very different investors, right? You guys probably deal with this. We have very active people that are very hands-on. And then we have very passive people that, hey, I've owned real estate. I've owned rentals. I've fixed and flipped. I don't want to deal with that. I want to travel. And I want you to send me my earnings every quarter. So that's where the funds really are a nice option. We even have a real estate fund that non-accredited investors can invest in with as little as $1,000. So we really can service just about anybody. But I think that's to your original question. Back in the day, it just was really hands-on. There were a lot of working parts. Now with the funds and the fact that we close them and investors don't feel like it's as urgent, they can shop it, they can do their due diligence. I feel like it's a little bit more passive process now. Same assets that they're investing in, but just the timeline has changed a lot too. For anybody out there who might be new to the whole world of, maybe they've heard of mutual funds and they've invested in mutual funds before. Mm -hmm. Is this like that? Is this like a bundle or a bucket of different assets? Yeah. What I would say it's probably the closest to is a real estate fund, trust fund, like a REIT. We're not a publicly traded fund. We're a privately managed fund. I mean, we go through all the due diligence with the SEC. We are an audited fund, but we're just not a publicly traded fund. And so, yes, it is a group of investors that have all invested capital into this fund. We manage it we have clearly defined rules. Hey, this is what we can put in the fund. This is what the loans have to look like. If you're going to buy real estate, these are the parameters. So there's guardrails and people like it because it's just very passive. The notes are a nice option, but my people that buy notes are more risk adverse, in my opinion. The investor that says, hey, I'm going to lend this guy money. And honestly, if he doesn't pay me back, I've got 30% equity in this note. I'll take that thing back all day long. And my yield could be higher than 10 if I took it back. So they're just very different types of investors and kind of depends on their strategy. Are they looking for cash flow? The funds are nice because they're just a constant cash flowing fund. They pay out every quarter. Or are they looking for long-term growth where my opinion, the notes might be a better option because there's opportunity for bigger growth and higher yields, but it's going to take a little longer. Heather, which ones out of all the opportunities you've talked about might be the best fit for going back to the IRAs or the self-directed IRAs because of something called UBIT, right? That's a whole other thing (laughs) that I had to learn about. Not really the hard way, but it was like, I discovered it right as I was about to make an investment. And I was like, shoot. And it doesn't necessarily mean that it's a bad thing, but there's investments that are better suited for self-directed IRAs than others. So can you talk to that a little bit? Yeah. And that's a really great point because I don't think people understand enough about UBIT. So typically in a fund environment, what's going to trigger UBIT, which is an ordinary business income tax, 
is if the fund leverages themselves. And for those of you that have managed funds and understand real estate funds, one of the ways to really juice your yields is to leverage your fund. And it typically occurs in funds that are investing in long-term investment strategies, multi-unit apartment complexes, storage units. Our fund does not do that because ours are so short-term in nature. They're 12-month loans, the real estate we're buying and selling. So we don't leverage it, but that is the risk in investing in a fund if they're leveraging it is you are going to be obligated to UBIT tax. Now, like you said, it's not a terrible thing because it also tells you that you're getting really good returns on your money, but you have to plan for it, right? Not knowing and then having it come up at the end of the year when you're filing your taxes is not a pleasant surprise. I think that the notes might be a better option. You are getting interest earned, but also the benefit to notes, and our CEO loves to buy notes with his IRA because his opinion is, if I'm lending this guy 50 grand and he doesn't pay and I take that house back and that thing's worth 90, that $40,000 is going to flow back into my IRA tax deferred. There are times when that UBIT can come into play. So it's really important to get with a good custodian that's going to explain that to you because I think that's where a lot of people fail is okay, I'm going to do a self-directed IRA. They don't do any homework on what the fees are. They don't do any homework on, hey, these different types of investments could create that. So it's important to ask those questions and of operators like us, hey, does your fund create UBIT? And then again, because we're not a financial advisor, but it's really on the IRA owner to do their homework. And that is a really good question to ask. We'll get back to our conversation with Heather in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now, back to our chat with Heather Dreves. 
I'm curious, how are you guys finding your investment opportunities? Are you partnering with other people? Do mm-hmm. you have an arm of your company that focuses on the different asset classes like nodes or like in the REIT-ish? Yeah. How are you finding the actual real estate? And are you guys managing just the fund or are you managing the real estate itself? Or talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So our company is very unique. I will tell you a large portion of our company is a real estate education company. So we have have students that come to us and we teach them how to buy real estate and invest. And so these are our active people. These are people fixing and flipping, brokering loans, wholesaling deals. And it's very organic in the sense that a lot of these clients that come through our program also come back to us for funding. So they go through classes and they're not required to. They don't have to go through our class to borrow money from us, but naturally a lot of them do. So they come back, hey, I'm going to broker this deal to you, or hey, I found this piece of real estate. I've got it under contract. I'm looking for funding. That all flows through to the funds, right? So now they're we're originating loans through our funds. So that's very organic. And I will tell you, our funds are diversified. So 75% of our fund balances is lent out through private money loans. So those are the loans I'm speaking about that we originate. And then the other 25% is held in real estate in our local market. So we actually have an acquisition team that goes out and finds the deals for us. So a lot of them are off market. We go to foreclosure auction every week. This team is really just working leads all day, finding people that want to sell their properties. We have a contracting crew that goes in and rehabs them once we acquire them. And then we actually have a property management crew, our department that actually manages the properties if we do hold them as rentals. And then we service all the notes also. So all those loans that we originate, we collect all the payments. So we're kind of a one-stop shop. Got it. What kind of real estate are you guys buying? You said you have an acquisitions team locally. Mm -hmm. Is it single family homes or like smaller multis? What are you guys? We will do, historically, we focused around single family up to four units, but I will tell you with everything changing and our values here are insane. Like just locally where we're located in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, values have increased 40% in two years. So what that tells you is there's a huge opportunity for rentals. And so we are starting to buy small multifamily. We just took down a 22-unit apartment complex. We have several fourplex and duplex projects going on locally. We'll never get into massive apartment complexes, but we'll do small commercial because we see the opportunity for the rent flow and the cash flow. Yeah. I know a couple of years ago, Annie and I were interested in looking at the Idaho market. This was, when was that, Annie? Like pre-COVID, just before COVID. Pretty much when I went, we stopped by a a couple of places in Idaho on a road trip. And I was like, this place is amazing. We've got to invest here. Uh Yeah. The secret's out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And we started looking back then and prices were nuts. Oh, it's crazy. Um, It's so crazy. Yeah. We were looking at bigger multis, but I think when was that one deal we were looking at like an 85 unit in, where is that place? Eagle something. Oh, Eagle, Idaho. Yeah. Yeah. Just Eagle, I guess is what it is. Yeah. And it was like for a class C apartment building was nuts. And I couldn't, 
put the price <laughs> to I the know. location. Not to say anything bad about Idaho, but I live in San Francisco and I was like, whoa, we're getting real close to that San Francisco number. And so it was just a little shocking. But yeah, tons of growth sprawling outwards yeah. and up north and down south to Arizona as well. And so it's interesting. I think a lot of Californians are tired of all the drama. There's just I know. So drama here in California. Right? Yes. <laughs> well, and we're about six hours east of Seattle. We're right next to Spokane, Washington, which we're actively investing there also. But what you're finding is we're getting a lot of people moving here from California, Seattle, Portland. They're tired of it. And you know, it's great. It's great for real estate, but it's also displaced a lot of locals. They have sold their properties and made more money than they ever would have. Now they're trying to rent and there's not enough rentals. So I think as an organization, what we always look at, and I do this personally, is just because I always focused on single family doesn't mean that's all I'm ever going to do. Like you have to shift with the markets. And we tell our students that you have to be looking forward to like, what are the opportunities? Everybody says, well, it's prices are too high to buy. Well, I'm here to tell you they're not going down in this area anytime soon. So if you think they're high now, wait for another 12 months. <laughs> and so as a company and as a fund management team, we're always looking at that. Hey, we've done great with fix and flips, but now we're really focusing on rentals and cash flow and all that type of stuff. So... So talk to us a little bit about that. You mentioned earlier that you guys have card rails, sort of like these, a framework, I guess you can call it mm -hmm. for the types of investments that you guys look for. So we talked a little bit about what that sort of criteria looks like in that it's maybe single family homes on up to even as something as big as a 20 unit. And so, but not like the real big properties. What mm -hmm. else are you guys looking for? Like cash on cash returns and yeah. returns if someone wants to invest with you, what can they expect to see? Yeah. So kind of our target number for yields is 10% for our investors. Our funds have been yielding 9 to 11% for the last eight years. They are, like I said, a blended fund. So I think because we have the different streams of income coming into the fund and we're not just solely relying on origination or we're not just relying on buying real estate, we have the ability to adjust. Those funds are yielding, like I said, 9 to 11%, which is a great yield on their returns for really not having to do much of anything besides making a decision. The notes, you can see some higher yields. I get these people in, hey, I want someone with 800 credit. I want 50% equity. Well, you're not going to be getting 10%. I can find you those deals, but you're probably going to get closer to six to seven. Better borrowers want better rates. But I'd say on average, your notes they're kind of all over the board. I'd say right now, nine to 11 on the notes, but these are notes with at least 30% equity. So again, that's really the attractive thing with notes. And again, that's also your active investors. So these are my guys that, hey, you know, I don't mind taking it back if they don't pay foreclosure doesn't scare me. We handle everything on notes. We do all the collections. They literally just have to make decisions. But sometimes that's the hardest part is getting a lender to say, yes, foreclose. And we, as far as everything in our portfolio, if someone's 45 days late, we foreclose. We just can't. We have obligation to our fund and our members of our funds to do what's in the best interest. And if borrowers aren't calling back, then we're going to start to foreclose. So really kind of setting the expectation with our note buyer too, that it's up to them to make that decision. But this is what we would highly recommend. And 99% of them take our advice and 
follow lead. But again, and then on the active investor side, if someone's wanting to borrow money from us, as far as what their returns are, that doesn't affect us, but we want to be well positioned. So we're not going to lend more than 70% of the value. We're going to hold back all rehab funds to make sure that they get the projects done. We only lend in a first lien position and short term, 12 months. That way, with market shifts, if values are falling, we can adjust quickly as a lender. And so those are just kind of some of the high level parameters we have set up on that. Can you talk to us about what performing versus non-performing notes might mean? Yeah, I get a lot of that. So performing is a note that is making their payments and is current. And I think non-performing comes more into play with owner-occupied. There is some great strategies to buy what's called a non-performing note. And it typically means it's a note that is behind on payments, is in some form of default. And the opportunity with buying that type of paper is a discount, right? So you've got people coming in buying non-performing notes at 70 cents on the dollar. So they have huge equity going into it. Typically, the strategy that I'm familiar with is they're going to go in, try to get the note performing again, and then resell it. Or there's also strategies where they'll foreclose, but non-performing is not paying. And a performing note, which is what we sell, is a note that's actually making their payments, is current. But both have great strategies. It just really depends on the risk level of the investor, quite honestly. Non-performing, you're going to have cash flow, right? Our borrowers make payments every month. So for my investors that really are focused on cash flow, non-performing is nice, where in my opinion, our performing is nice for cash flow. Non-performing is your longer term investment plays, right? If you're buying at 70 cents on the dollar, you've got 30% equity in it. There's huge upside to that, but it just takes longer to realize your yields on that type of a strategy. Is there a reason that you guys don't do non-performing notes? Is it just too much work, not worth the time? Tell us about that. Yeah, we don't do it because the notes that we sell are the notes we originate. And I think the challenge with non-performing for us is the due diligence you'd have to do. I mean, you're basically buying paper that somebody else underwrote, got an evaluation on, and typically non-performing is, again, owner-occupied, and we don't touch owner-occupied at all. It's just too difficult. There's too many rules and regulations. And we have enough deal flow with our performing notes that we really don't need to. But again, it's not to say that that's not a great strategy. There's very good yields in that. We decided a long time ago, we were going to stay in our lane. Yeah, And we're going to try to do everything and be everything for everybody. I feel like we still do a lot, but our focus has always just been around more the performing type of assets. Yeah, I've always been curious about non-performing notes because I've heard yield is much higher, a potential for not even so much just the yield, but the potential to maybe even if you foreclose, right? The asset is so much worth so much more than what you're getting the loan for or the note for that there's more money to be made, I guess. But I know that I think there's companies out there that will actually help you get the note to be performing, right? Mm -hmm. Like some note companies out there will do that if they invest in non-performing notes. Right. So, yeah. yeah, it's interesting just because there's different, 
I think a lot of what we do in real estate kind of goes back to your risk, what you're comfortable with in terms of risk and time. It's the, right. kind of those two things and whether you have lots of time or no time at all and how risk averse are you or not and where does that fall? And that helps determine maybe what type of investment you want to get into. And I know it's what you guys do is definitely what Annie and I love to invest in as well. It's the passive stuff, right? Right. Like I was the guy who like, or woman lady who looked in the (laughs) mailbox and was like, what is this? Right. And luckily we have bigger pockets. And that was how I peeked my way into the mailbox, so to speak, was I discovered this whole other world of investing that I had no clue even existed and had searched for years, talking with financial advisors and trying to discover something like this. And so that's the fun part. The most exciting times for me in this business were in the very beginning when I used to talk with investors and it was like they had no idea. And it was like, you could hear when you talk to them, just like how you change their lives in 30 minutes by something as simple as like sharing the self-directed IRA thing, or like how do these investments work and the cash flow and the growth and the equity and the tax benefits. And it just goes on and on. And they're just like, wow. Like people would be by the end of the 30 minutes, they just feel like, wow, you just literally blew my mind. Like what next? And it was like the funnest thing. So I know that's what you get to do is talk with investors. And so that must be a part of your job that you love doing is getting that wow factor out of everyone. Well, and, and seeing them be able to live these lives that you know, quite honestly, they probably wouldn't have been able to do. I think a lot of people think they save, 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 they retire, they live off the retirement till they deplete it. You don't need to do that. You can actually put that money to work yes. off of your earnings and never, ever touch the principle of that. And I think I have these clients all the time. I'm a snowbird. I leave, just send my checks, deposit my earnings. And it's like so satisfying. And I think that's what's kept me hooked in this, you know, because people are like, and you guys know some days are better than others. And having hard conversations is not pleasant, but the satisfaction that I get by seeing people to live the life that they wanted to and and being able to do that because of the path we've shown them is worth it. I have a guy I work with out of Arizona and he was a commercial real estate agent for years. So did very well for himself, never was home, worked all the time, started having a lot of health issues because of the stress. His kids started having issue because he was never home. And luckily for him, he had created enough wealth that he could actually start investing. And he wrote me a letter the other day and just said, you know, thank you for allowing me to live the life I always wanted because I could not have done this. And he doesn't work anymore. He literally manages his assets and invest heavily with us and some others. You know, I encourage people to diversify. So I've helped him find some other opportunities. And he's like, I don't even know where I would be with all the health issues I had. So those are the things that get me motivated in the morning to come into work every day. 100%. I literally just got the chills throughout my body when you (laughs) said that, because that is all the reason why we do what we do here on the show and what we do in our business as well. And we have very similar stories amongst our investors. And every time I get one of those emails, it just like brings me to tears because it means that we got to put our two feet on the ground over the last four or five years we've been doing this and make an impact. And so I love that. I love that story. All right. Well, we're going to move into the last part of our show, the Life and Money Show Spotlight Round, where we're going to ask you a couple of questions around life and money. All right. So the first question is around your life and money. So what is one thing that you're doing right now to live a meaningful and intentional life by design? I love it. So recently, my husband and I decided to sell our primary residence. We 
had two children and raised them and they're kind of halfway out on their own. And we decided to sell our primary and downsize. We went from a 5,000 square foot home to a 900 square foot home. And to be honest, at first it was kind of temporary. There was a pole barn on five acres that we bought in Idaho. So as you can imagine, it wasn't cheap. And so we said, we'll live in this temporarily. It'll be a guest house. Well, once we completed it, we decided we didn't want a big house and we want to travel. And we decided we wanted to simplify our life. And instead of being a slave to a house and a yard and all the things that go along with that, we wanted more time for our family and our friends. And so simplifying, still making deals. And so I don't know that that's simplified, but just determining what's important and time with our kids and vacations is more important than being a slave to a house. So one, we were able to make quite a bit of money on it and start investing that in addition to what we were already doing. And two, just the time it's freed up. So being more intentional with our time, I think is probably a big lesson we've learned. Yeah. Well, first of all, I just want to say 5,000 square feet. (laughs) Holy smokes. I mean, mean, a house that size is like, oh my gosh, I probably would get lost like all day long. (laughs) And then going to 900 square feet. Like you guys must be like very close to each other. Yeah. One bedroom, one bath. And the whole main level is just a kitchen and a living. All of our friends and our old neighbors are like, are you guys insane? I said, Uh I think so. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love it. Making those decisions is not always easy. And for some folks, they attach their sort of their worth, I guess you can say to their home. And so the fact that you were able to let that go and be free of that and recognize that that doesn't determine who you are and in your worth and all of that stuff and let it go and really focus on what's important. is so cool. And I love that. So congrats on that. But man, you must miss that 5,000 square feet every (laughs) now and again. (laughs) At moments, I do. I don't take things like water for granted anymore. We're now on a well. And so we've learned a lot. We knew we wanted to simplify. And, you know, that was the house we raised our kids in. That's why it was that big. And up here, that's not uncommon to have a house that size. But yeah, it was like, you know what? We don't need this big house. And so, yeah, it was very different, but we're settled in and I don't regret it at all. Awesome. All right. Well, second question is around others' life and money. So what is one life or money hack that you can share that will make an impact in others' lives right now? Yeah, I think just deploying your capital. I think people get very tied up in the traditional, get with a financial advisor. And I think really just educate yourself. There are other options out there. I'm not here to promote leaving your financial advisor and pulling all your money out of the stock market, but I am here to to encourage people to educate themselves and explore other options because I think there's great opportunity out there in the real estate market to invest, to diversify your portfolio. And I don't think people are scared. They don't know, but there is so much information online with IRA custodians. And for those of you that are on the podcast, if you want some suggestions for different custodians, I'm sure you guys, Julie and Annie, have great suggestions too. I'd be happy to steer you towards some because those custodians put on tons of free webinars educating people. I call it education. There is so much education online. So I guess my suggestion, and would be to educate yourself about the other options out there to invest. 
hundred percent. Everybody always asks me when I used to talk with investors, all right, what next? And I said, well, the first thing you got to do after we hang up is go educate yourself because mm-hmm. you're never going to get to a place of feeling comfortable to invest if you don't know what you're investing into. Right. And so that'll always be this invisible barrier for you. And you're like, I don't know why I just can't get over the hump of like wanting to make that investment. And the reason is because you don't know what you're investing into. So take some time. And like Heather, you've just said, there's plenty of resources now in this day and age, even when I started five years ago, six years ago, there was hardly anything. I, know, I couldn't strange. find anything. Yeah. And now it's just like blown up. I mean, you Google the word syndication, you'll find all kinds of stuff. Oh, yeah. there. So it's do the work, invest and be open to making mistakes because the mistakes are the things that we can learn from. So I love it. All right. Well, last question is around life and money in the world. So what is one thing that you're doing right now to make the world a better place? I think one of the things that I pride ourselves on here at Secured Investment Corp is we're creating home ownership. So when I say that we invest in residential real estate, we invest in the affordable housing market. And whether that's through multifamily, creating more rental opportunities with reasonable rents out there, but we also rehab a lot of homes that are blighted in areas that some people don't want to go invest in, but we see huge opportunity for first-time home ownership. And I think that's going to even get better with rates going up. There's going to be more first-time home ownership programs, I think, out there for financing. So I think we're improving communities and people pride themselves on having a home. And we've done a lot of deals too, where we've carried contracts. Maybe they don't necessarily qualify right now for financing, but we can see the opportunity that they have to do that in a year or two. We'll we'll carry a contract to create home ownership. So I'm pretty proud of our organization for doing that. And we're also a faith-based company. So we're pretty bold about that within these walls and then also with our clients. Love that. Well, it's clear, Heather, through all the work that you and Secured Investment Corp are doing, that you're creating such a difference for people and making an impact in their lives, whether it's your investors who are able to live their life the way that they want their best life, right? Or these communities that you're investing in, the homeowners, the notes, all of it. It's incredible. So, And on top of that, you've dropped so many good nuggets that I'm sure have blown people's minds in this Mm -hmm. conversation. So share with them if they did want to follow up and learn more, what's the best place that they can go? Yeah, absolutely. So if you're interested, whether you're an active investor or looking for something passive, we do have funds that you can invest in with as little as $1,000. So that's one of the things I like to get across too. I think people also have this idea that they have to have a large amount of capital to get started. You don't. You can invest with as little as $1,000. So they can always get a hold of us at our website at securedinvestmentcorp.com. I think I've got my contact info up right behind me. And we schedule 15-minute phone consultations. If people are just looking for more education, I encourage you to get a hold of us. And we love to explore other options, better understand you know, what they're trying to accomplish. And then we can always guide you if it's not something that we can directly help you with. We can always give you some advice on where to go to get that information. So always at our website, securedinvestmentcorp.com. We've got all of our notes on there. We have information about our funds, and then you have the ability to schedule a 15-minute consultation with myself and my team. 
Heather Dreves, Director of Funding at Secured Investment Corp. Heather, thank you so much for being here with us today and sharing your story and insights with us. Yeah, it was a pleasure. I feel like we could have talked for hours. (laughs) Oh, yes, absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations.